so much uh actually for coming my name is uh chandler cooks um also a host here on our empower podcast um it is you know really an honor and i thank you for for the work that you do it's you know that's very very brave you know i personally couldn't see myself doing it and for you to have the courage um you know to be on the front line and to help lives that you're doing in this pandemic now is is a blessing and and i thank you so much for it i appreciate it um so i know that we did have a couple of questions that we wanted to review with you um my first question that i wanted to ask was who do you believe is at the greatest risk um as the coronavirus spreads throughout the united states so through my experience, I really think obviously people that are most disadvantaged in like regular healthcare settings, unfortunately, are still very much disadvantaged in the coronavirus setting. So that's your low socioeconomic populations and minorities, unfortunately, because our access to healthcare is so limited, whether it's, you know, through a primary care provider that you kind of get along with and have a good rapport with that maybe you could see and get treatment um, versus uh, if you don't have that relationship and then you wait too long and then you have to end up going to the emergency room for treatment. Um, the elderly, of course, uh, they have some problems with mobility, getting out and about, getting to appointments, um, often sometimes negating or, or dismissing some symptoms that they may present with when they could actually be really serious. So I think those kind of populations are super, super high risk, unfortunately. Frontline worker, what is something that you want the public to know about COVID-19 and how it's actually affecting families and communities across our nation? So I think uh, here in Vegas, we are very very fortunate and I wouldn't have known that unless I took the time to go to New York so there like I said um excuse me, I worked at Kings County Hospital for those 21 days and the we were completely full the ICUs were completely full all COVID patients um, they made places that were not um, even meant to hold patients for long term like a safety surgery area or an observation area into full-blown ICUs where people were housed for you know weeks on end uh, on things that are supposed to be temporary, whether it was a temporary ventilator or a temporary surgical bed. Now these people are laying in them for, I guess, at least on it because they just didn't have the, the capacity or the resources to support those kind of cases in that amount of influx at the time. Um, so I think that people seem to think that uh, maybe it's not that serious, maybe people are making a big deal about it, but it really is. Um, it could cripple us, you know, if it happened here. We are not as dense of a population as New York, um, but I think that if people, you know, don't follow the rules and aren't cautious, we could really get ourselves into some big trouble. Healthcare here in Nevada is also really poor down the line as far as state rankings. So I think if something like that really got to our population or a majority of our population, we would we would be in some big trouble. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Yeah, because it is serious. It really it's is. Serious. Yeah. It is for yeah. real serious. Definitely a poverty and poor health um, conversation for sure. Um, I know that a lot, I've seen people, whether it's on social media, um, or just conversations that you have with friends and family I'm really brushing this off I remember being in a work setting where people were saying you know black people can't get coronavirus or it hasn't hit Africa yet or just right. things that people see yes. online that they just you know take with it and run with it so thank you so much for that yes. now what are some symptoms of COVID-19 I know you discussed the people brushing things off thinking that it may be something else but what are some clear signs that we as the public should be kind of watchful for so they definitely present as, and this is the usual, right? So I want everyone to kind of take this information with a grain of salt because Corona or COVID-19 is so poorly understood. We really don't have very good case studies. Uh, the information that we're getting from places like Italy and China is now just being clustered into a place where we can consider it research, but it's not um, quality research like we have for influenza or chickenpox or other sicknesses that have been around for a very long time, right? So what we know so far, though, is that people usually present with upper respiratory symptoms. So you're thinking sore throat, fever, fatigue, body aches, um, and then shortness of breath is the big one. Because usually when you have an upper respiratory, something like a flu or a cold, you don't really get shortness of breath. And that's due to the way that um, COVID-19 basically goes, makes its way into your respiratory tract, whether it's nasally, through your eyes, or through your mouth gets into your lungs and basically starts to destroying your lungs from the inside out. Um, and so those are the big ones. And then obviously fever. Now fever, usually clinically, we call fever anything greater than 101.5, but we've seen patients present COVID positive, mild symptoms, mild sore throat, mild fatigue with a low grade fever of even 100.5. So sometimes it could just be slight symptoms. On the other hand of things, people can be completely asymptomatic. I have a cousin that was in New York who is a young lady in her 20s, no symptoms whatsoever and my aunt decided to test everyone in the house and she was positive so she had to basically self-quarantine herself from the house that she was COVID positive wow. so it's such a broad presentation and then obviously you have people that are really really ill not able to breathe not able to speak um, that need emergency attention and kind of airway and respiratory support so I want people to really kind of you know take themselves out of a frame like I'm fine I feel fine it doesn't mean that you're not a carrier you may be fortunate enough to be somebody that's asymptomatic that's great for you but somebody else you pass it to can end up really really sick so people just need to be extra extra diligent about um kind of their health hygiene and, and their social hygiene now okay. yeah. thank you um ken were you able to get on the line yeah i'm back on i was having some okay issues. <laughs> no problem um we have went through um i know she's answered a couple of questions um, I know that you had some personal questions as well, but we did do a couple of introductions while you had got off. So if you just want to quickly let Ashley know um, who you are and if, go ahead with your questions as well. Hey, Ashley, I'm Kendall, also known as Lovely Kendall. Um, I'm not sure what you answered already, um, but my number one question is, I was at work the other day and um, one of the person, one of the people I was working with, he had like a random asthma attack, severely coughing, sweating in a cold room and it was bad to where he had to remove his mask. Um, and so I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm risking my life to get some money because, you know, he's having, um, he's having an asthma attack, which is one of the symptoms. Right. Um, should I... Like, what do you do in a situation like that? Because you know this thing is going around. 
So, like I said, the little research that we have right now is, like I said, it's not as great as quality, but what we have seen is that people wearing masks does make a significant difference. Even if it's a plain surgical mask, mask, a cloth covering, something to cover your airways. So that's your nasal passages and your mouth. Um, glasses are also really important because we're not really sure concretely whether it's airborne, basically we cough it into the air and it stays in the air for a long time or it's actual droplets. And that's so that's micro droplets when you're talking close to someone and that's the whole six feet apart thing. So anything to cover those orifices uh, really, really is going to protect you. And then on your own, um, um, you know, self, as far as we talk about health hygiene, really washing your hands, being very diligent, don't touch your face, your nose, your eyes, those entryways where the virus can get into. Um, now, obviously, if you're around someone that's got full-blown COVID-19, replicating terrible symptoms, the only way you would be able to protect yourself if you're doing like an N95, full goggles, like basically medical gear. But those people are not really walking around at your job or what have you. So like I said, a good mask, whether it's a surgical mask, cloth mask, simple ask something to cover those airways and those entryways. I think you're doing a good job and really being diligent for washing your hands. Okay. What are some things that you have experienced personally since COVID-19? Oh man, uh, a whole whirlwind uh, of things. So, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm, to be honest, I'm one of those people that when the news started breaking because social media is like such a proponent of information these days. That's where a lot of the images from China were coming through. I was not really in tune because I wasn't sure if this was some type of propaganda or social media, you know, stint. I wasn't really sure. And so I really didn't take it seriously until things started coming through on the medical journals. And I was like, wow, this is like something very serious. Um, and then seeing kind of what happened in New York in my position here, um, I basically was like, okay, this is not a joke. So my function here, before I left to New York, I was working at a mobile urgent care where basically whatever you would go to the urgent care for, we come to your house and treat you so you don't have to go into the actual establishment. So I got really serious about, I needed an N95, I double mask, I goggles, I face shield, gown, I mean, total protection here, um, which like I said, we don't have that many cases, but you can never be too sure. I mean, reported cases, we really don't know what the true number is. And then as far as, like I said, going to New York, it really just made me realize, like, this is not a game. This is so serious. I mean, I had nurses who I worked with who were regular nurses in New York who had gotten the virus, been sick, and came back to work like these women and then had survived it and had to return to work and kind of be there to pay their bills and support their families. Um, even the patients that we took care of, I didn't see a lot of elderly patients while I was there. Most people were anywhere within their 30s to 50s. That's the patients I saw of all ethnicities mostly minorities it was a county hospital in the middle of brooklyn so a lot of caribbean african americans asians i mean people from all over these are the patients that we took care of um one of the patients i took care of he actually got it at a party people were not obeying the rules so they had to live together get together all eight of the people ended up with covid a few of them died a few of them remained in the icu for some time so i i think it just really just made me more aware of number one how i practice my regular hygiene around people and how I present myself at work just to make sure that I am kind of safe and, and taken care of as well. Wow, well, we definitely appreciate your service. Yeah, no, of course, it's, 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 it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to have that opportunity to go and help, so. So, um, Ashley, I have a, a, a question as well. So let's, let's say, um, put a scenario where I am um, positive for COVID-19, um, what, what should I do next? You know, um, of course, you know, the quarantining, but since there's no certain cure or vaccine, what should I be doing to ensure that 
or at least what can I do to, you know, give myself the best fighting chance? So I think just taking regular health precautions that you would when you would have any virus, the flu, the cold, COVID, because like I said, it presents differently in everyone. So getting adequate sleep, adequate hydration is so important. Um, taking antipyretics or what we call fever reducers like Tylenol. Currently, we're not using ibuprofen because a doctor in Italy said it was making people worse. Once again, this is not proven, this is not research, it's not evidence-based. We are just taking statements that people who have been in the worst round zeros and kind of using it to protect ourselves, but we, we're not really sure about that. So currently we're not giving ibuprofen. But you would take Tylenol, you would make sure you're very hydrated, you make sure you're rest, eating appropriately, taking some vitamins. Um, we do give zinc, vitamin C to patients in the hospital because that's been shown to help, um, even if it's 5%, 10%. So those just good wellness tips and obviously staying away and self-quarantining, whether it's getting in a hotel room or staying with a family member or staying in a back room where you're not going to be exposing people for what they say anywhere from 10 to 14 days. Um, would be appropriate because you really want to keep yourself away from anyone who's COVID negative during that time of viral shedding where the virus is actually replicating it. Once your body mounts an immune response and basically starts beating the virus, then you would you don't have to worry about it because you're not shedding it or able to spread it as much. Now, obviously, if you start experiencing severe shortness of breath, unable to eat, drink, severe pain anywhere, those are indications for you to go to present to an emergency room, not an urgent care, an emergency room, because you want to go somewhere that they can give you the help that, you're, that you need. Okay. When it comes to COVID-19, what worries you most? Um, you can either answer as a frontline healthcare worker or just personally from being on the front lines, being able to kind of know. Uh, what really worries me is um, kind of this thing booming and taking over again, you know, unfortunately here close to home or um, anywhere I may have family and close relatives because I will say what was the most, uh, I, I, in my opinion, what affected people the most, what caused the most casualties and, and morbidity is the fact that there was just too many people that were so sick at the same time. And so really that's the function of this social distancing. It's not to let the virus come and go. It's to allow people hopefully to separate themselves. If they do have the virus, it's onesies and twosies versus 50 people coming in at the same time to allow the health systems to catch up and be able to be prepared to care for the people that do come in. That's really the main function of the social distancing. And that's really what has been affecting these like hot zones of New Jersey and New York and Florida and Michigan. It's because people did not social distance and these are dense populations. And so when people are getting sick, it's a large majority. Um, we can take something locally, um, you know, for instance, like when that mass shooting happened in Vegas, it's not that we can't handle shootings, but when you have 500 wounded, showing up at your doorstep not everyone can get the best care or the care that they need so you have to think about that you want to really separate yourself and follow these rules to allow the resources to be prepared for when the people who are really sick need it um, and I, that's one of the biggest things that i saw in new york with the whole deployment of nurses um, when I showed up and I was already kind of in the, like going towards the end of like the downhill, I guess when I showed up, I was in a 10 bed ICU. Usually it's one to two patients per one nurse. This ICU regularly runs with only three nurses, which is absolutely terrible, but that's their healthcare system there, right? And so now you take those 10 patients, they are extremely sick on eight to 10 medications and IV drips on a ventilator needing extreme care. 
and the nurses are really trying to stretch themselves so thin, right? Now we bring all these nurses in. By the time I left, every patient had their own nurse, which is ideal in this type of situation. But if something like that happens here, I mean, you, it's not possible unless we also ask for help and people to come. So that's what I worry about, that this explodes or people don't take it seriously, they don't follow the rules, and we explode here. If we wouldn't have closed down the strip, we would be in the exact same place. Without yeah. And now they want to open the strip back up. <laughs> right. So, uh, we'll see. Let's, let's yeah, I'll be saying home. <laughs> now, one thing I know um, that was kind of startling to me is just that they do push a lot of the social distancing, washing your hands. Um, but I do know that there's millions stuck at home who don't have adequate plumbing, you know, right. who don't have a kitchen area to be able to wash their hands. Right. Um, that and that goes across the United States. Um, for people who don't live in a home situation where they're able to self isolate or have six feet apart because there's so many people living in homes, what are some steps that those families can also take? Because there's two, three people living in the same exact room or six people under an apartment. Um, they're scared, like you said, to go and try to receive help, help excuse me, health care um, from providers, whether that be immigration status, you know, the costs of being able to actually go out there. But because we know that it is so many people who don't have running water, who don't have access to those things, um, what would be something that, you, a piece of something that you would tell them in that case, I guess? So for people that are living in those kind of close quarters, where I understand you know, everyone's kind of uh, ability and, and social status is a little bit different, definitely cloth mask or some type of face covering is paramount. At least you can prevent the spread of droplets or airborne things that way in some way, shape or form. I mean, it's, 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 it can help quite a bit. And then, you, you know, uh, even washing you know your hands from a faucet outside, soap and antibacterial and any type of water works. And of course, hand sanitizer, if you can get to it. Hand sanitizer works great. You can use it in the hospitals. We use it for everything only if your hands are soiled or there's certain bacteria that are resistant to soap and water. But COVID is not one of them. So we're hand sanitizer. So hand sanitizer is a great, great, you know, uh, alternative if you don't have soap and water. And then obviously trying to wipe down common used areas, whether it's the doorknob or what have you. Um, I'm a big person, believer in, you know, being outdoors. You have to think about um, if you guys want to congregate, sit outdoors somewhere, because even if it's airborne, it's the laws of diffusion, something from high concentration goes to low concentration. So even if somebody has COVID and they're coughing all over the place, the likelihood of it getting to you six feet away is very, very, very unlikely. It's going to disperse in the atmosphere and make its way up to the clouds. So, you know, spend more time outside, you know, then you close quarters, open some windows, keep the air circulating. Those are all little tricks that we did in the hospital, even at COVID testing centers, they have fans blowing in front of the patients because when they go to swab you, when they pull that Q-tip out, they want the bacteria or the virus to fly in another direction. So that's a huge thing that you can do to open the windows, put some fans on and keep the air circulating. Okay. Thank you. Considering you being a frontline worker, what are some things that you um, advocate for for this upcoming election? What are some things that you want to see put in place because of, you know, everything that you've mentioned, like, you know, one nurse per, per three patients and, you know, some, some places not being well equipped. What are some things that you think should take place? Well, I'm a big advocate for healthcare for all, so I think that's a massive. I don't think that people should 
you know, have to decide whether paying bills or going to the doctor is important because I think preventative medicine is part of health and wellness. And so all these things should be covered. I don't think that's even an option. So I think that's a big, that's always a big thing that I'm looking for. And I don't care whether you're illegal, legal, not legal, working, not working. I think everyone should have access to healthcare here in America. That's just my personal stance. Um, and I would love, you know, staffing ratios in Nevada and a lot of other states do not have any staffing ratios. So even here, um, you could see something as terrible as an ICU, one to three, one to four patients and on a regular floor. And when I started as a nurse, it was one to 12 uh, for the night shift, which is absolutely insane. People don't get quality care that way. Uh, I'd also like to see as uh, big pharma and big insurance companies stop making such big decisions with people's health care, allow providers a little bit more freedom to do what's best for the patient and not determine let the insurance determine what medication is best or what they will pay for for the patient i mean those are some big big ideas and obviously you know sharing ideas with other countries you know sitting down with china and italy and these other places that saw this beforehand so that we could be prepared i really think that unfortunately our administration did not take heed did not listen, did not prepare. Um, we're a world power and we can't get gowns and masks. I mean, I think that that was pretty embarrassing. So it was just a few things personally that are big uh, as far as this COVID thing that's kind of shifted my view. Yeah, I agree 100%. Do you think that healthcare should be tied to your employment? No, I think that healthcare should be uh, like uh, universal. You yeah, know? or a given right. Yeah, I, I truly do. Now, obviously, our system's a little bit muddy, and our sometimes our government-backed systems aren't the best. But I, I think that we have to work on, obviously, working on a lot of different systems. But I just think it should be something people shouldn't worry about here. Yeah, I agree. A different perspective from an actual frontline worker. You know, you right. read about it in articles, but actually speaking to someone who's actually out there, like, combating this infectious virus is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was such a, it was such an adventure and I was scared. Uh, you know, I had a colleague who was like, we should go to New York because they were sending out flyers and asking people to come. But I was like, listen, if they're asking for people, it's because people aren't making it. You know, I was really worried about it. And I had another colleague who I went to uh, grad school with and she was already there. So I called her and said, hey girl, like what is going on out there, you know? And she was like, well, it's hard work, but they're taking really good care of the nurses. So I, you know, I decided to go. Um, but I was worried. I was scared. And thankfully, I was able to test both for antibodies and swab before I came home, and I was negative. So you can be out there helping people. You just have to be very careful. I did not take my mask off unless I was leaving the floor. Like, you have to be very diligent. You know what I mean? You can't mess around. And so I think that it's serious. I think if people take those measures to protect themselves, I mean, it's possible that you can be just fine. So just be careful. Cover your mouth. Wash your hands. You know, and um, just support each other. I think this is a great time too to kind of reflect and see like where we are as a society and kind of where we can kind of make some strides and some self improvement. So. Yes. Well, certainly. Uh, well, I do have one uh, one more question. So, um, because you have the the most experience with this, um, mm -hmm. and a lot moving forward, a lot of the country is beginning to reopen. Um, right. Now, just based off of numbers that I've seen, it doesn't seem as if the virus has been slowing down that much. Um, do you, do you, from your experience, do you think that um, we are at least close to, do you think that we're ready to open up or even close to a phase to begin start opening up the country? So if 
I can't have it my way. I would, first of all, test a lot more people because you don't know who is carrying it if they're asymptomatic and that's a total possibility. So I think that we should get way more testing and then I think we should open very, very slowly, keeping these rules of social distancing, mandatory mask wearing. Like when I came back from New York, I was so surprised that people are not always wearing masks out here when they go out in public. I just find that to be like super scary. I'm wearing a mask all the time. When I go to the store, I'm pumping. Yeah, if I'm around other people, I'm gonna wear a mask. So I think that's also something that should be mandated. Like you should have to do your due diligence as a citizen here in the state of Nevada and cover yourself up to protect other people and protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, slowly opening. I don't think anything with large gatherings should happen for a long time because the, the virus is not going anywhere, right? You can see that with the reports in China and other places. They're having a second wave. It's not leaving. So we have to adjust our lifestyles. I understand the economy and stuff like that. We can open things and keep things within the certain rules so that people can stay safe. But it just needs to be done right. Totally agree with that. Totally agree. It definitely has to be done right. All right, well... Yeah, again, I, I thank you um, so much for everything that you've done, uh, you know, for the lives that you've saved. Uh, you know, that's, that is amazing. And you know, I really appreciate you. No, I appreciate you guys allowing me to come and being interested in this stuff. Like I said, a lot of people are not taking it seriously. And it's serious. It's yeah. so serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a game. Well, I, I personally also want to thank you as well, Ashley, for taking some time out of your busy day to speak with us. Um, this is definitely something that I've been taking seriously because at first when I heard that, um, you know, it was a China thing, it was other countries' problem. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people like, oh, the corona. Like, you know, they're making songs about it. They're, like, It <laughs> was a joke for a while. Right. And when I began to see, like, no, this affects old people, people with autoimmune disease, um, you know, deficiencies and things like that. And coming from uh, my mom, you know, is affected by that. So I, I definitely felt like, okay, this is something I need to be paying a little bit more attention to because I might be okay and not be showing any symptoms. And I go visit my mom and she might not be okay after me coming to visit for just a couple of minutes or whatever the situation happens. So thank you so much for shedding just some light because I know that it is a lot of people that, I just thinking this is something that'll pass and unfortunately we do live in a state where they're prioritizing profits over our public health um and that's a whole nother topic and things for us to discuss and go into but thank you so much for your time i really appreciate you yeah no, i appreciate you you're welcome it's been a pleasure ken yes i just want to say thank you again as well and um i hope you have a great rest of your day and um, continue to educate those who are willing to listen because it's so important to hear from someone who is actually on the front line, you know, like you're a superhero right now. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm in this role uh, for a purpose. I'm sure truly believe. So I'm, I'm just glad to be able to do it. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, all right. You guys take care. Thank you, you too, Ashley. Thank you. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, as far as um, COVID and healthcare, how are you guys kind of feeling about everything that's going on, what you see, um, what we just listen to? Like, how, what, how are you guys feeling right now? Oh, uh, I mean, shit, in the beginning of it, I definitely, you know, was a, a skeptic. 
Um, but um, I know I know somebody. Actually, my ex girlfriend has it right now, um, and I know two people: um, a, a friend of mine, his aunt, and uh, another relative of mine died from it. Um, so I definitely know Sorry it's something that. serious. You know, it's something that um, you know definitely affects us. You know, um, and so it's not just the, you know, the the elderly and, you know, ones with, you know, bad immune systems. It's, you know, even people who are healthy. Um, so it's that was uh, an eye opener for me to, you know, really take this serious. Um, should I barely go out of the house now <laughs> because of this? Um, but, you know, it's something that definitely needs to be taken serious. And it, it really makes you reevaluate, you know, how you've been living, you know, because it's some nasty people out here, you know, like really, it's some really just hygiene wise, you know, they, they have really bad hygiene and, you know, they could be asymptomatic and just spreading it all over, you know, so things like that definitely have to be taken into account, um, you know, when being outside. So just, I just say, you know, stay safe. Um, because this is serious for for real, for real. Yeah, I agree. Like, I was informally introduced to COVID-19 just scrolling on Instagram, and I saw people in China, or, yeah, in China, just randomly falling out and dying. Like, something that you would see on a movie. Um, I can't think of the movie name, but basically it was something that was airborne and everybody froze and then they just started killing themselves like literally it seemed like i was watching a movie but that was really what was going on in china um so that was my introduction to COVID 19 and then next thing you know it's trickling down into the neighboring countries and now you know the united states has it it's unfortunate you know the way things are going with the healthcare system with policymakers, with laws you know with our economy but um, I do think that, you know, we will find our way out of this. It is very scary, um, but I'm not fearful. I think the media, the media is like fear mongers, which kind of encourages more of the spread because, you know, people are more fearful. But I understand it's kind of like a two-way street. Like, you know, the media spreads more scary news, which makes more people more fearful. But at the same time, we still don't know what this is. So it is kind of a reason to be fearful. Um, but I think that, um, you know, I agree with Chandler, there's, you know, nasty people, so it's important. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with you both. And I know one thing for me, um, that I was really worried about, um, as this kind of started getting close to home here in Vegas, um, was, you know, just a couple of months ago we had the homeless um no sleeping on the ground law that was passed here um and i was really concerned with how the homeless population and how people who don't have access to clean running water um we're going to be able to protect themselves from something that they've been asked for something that could have been you know not necessarily prevented but had the right met, like things been put in place um, yeah. So um, I was really worried about that because I know things 
happen to certain demographics of people because of you know just the way the united states is whether that be our economy i know she touched on you know it basically being the poor lower income you know people that are going to be affected by this because we don't have access to health care and many people that do have access to health care it's not the best health care um so i definitely felt like um it was something to be talked about, something for people to start bringing awareness to, because hopefully this doesn't just go back to regular scheduled programming, which honestly, I don't really think that it ever will, will be that way. I kind of am in the mindset of kind of life as we knew it and how we did things before is just not going to happen. But I believe that this is what unfortunately what people need in order to care because now everyone's understanding the economic impact of COVID-19 everyone is looking for food resources everyone is looking for a bill pay everyone is look like things that most people brushed off and were just kind of like oh that's the their problem over there or they don't have access to be able to go to the doctor. Well, me and my family do, so that doesn't matter. Well, now your kids that you send to school every day are gonna be around those kids that don't have access to healthcare. So are you just okay with you know sending your babies back to school? Are you just okay with going back to a casino and working, you know, making sure that these rooms are clean for them to make millions of dollars every single year, but they're wanting you to come back and jeopardize your health for that. And I think that that's what needs to get people riled up. That's what's going to get people upset because like when 9-11 happened, right after that, we were okay with the government tapping our phones. We were okay with aggressive military action. We were okay with all all these policies in place that how you hear people like listen to our phone calls oh my gosh or that that can't possibly be happening like yes it is and yes we agreed to it as well so sometimes unfortunately things do have to happen in order for people to realize that we have an inadequate housing problem here we have poor health care here people don't make enough money here and the fact that there's over 300,000 people still waiting on unemployment claims to go through like today right now is ridiculous so mm -hmm. I definitely am glad that you know this was something that we got to talk about because i'm someone who like is really passionate about my community and really helping and getting you know the word out to people because i feel like people will care if you give them a reason to care if you explain to them that this is their kids that this is their health this is their job that you don't have to live where you live forever this does not have to be this way forever um that's something that i want to be a part of so i just really thank you both for allowing me to be on here and have these conversations because it's something that needs to be had in a context where people can listen to us now and you know know what's going on and get valuable information that's coming to them on the rail so can i actually really love that um idea that you had with the name now that like you kind of went through this because like that's what we're doing we're being real with people that this is not a joke this is not something that you can brush off and this is not something that we're going to allow an entire new you know administration to come in or the current administration to continue to just overlook you know this particular group of people which we know is african-americans and minorities so i just again thank you both for allowing me to be on here with you guys oh yeah for sure yeah i love your passion <laughs> I really love your passion and I love that we're like really engaging with people about this because as I said previously people are not taking it serious and you know this people are dying you know what I'm saying and so 
I think this series was going to be a really good series within the Empower podcast called Rona Talks, or if you want to call it On the Real, we can call it On the Real, but whatever we call it, you know, as long as long as someone is understanding what we're saying, then our message is getting across. Yes. Yeah, that's the key. Definitely making, uh, you know, a statement that that rings with with others. That's definitely, a, you know, our goal. But yeah, this was a a great one. All right, Hello. You know, that was great having Ashley. I know. I'm so excited to hear everything all together and see what we're gonna do for next time. Um whatever you guys need from me you guys have my contact information i know that we were going to decide if we wanted to do uh, monthly bi-weekly um with covid i'm going to be honest i have tons of free time that i have no problems um you know being available for a weekly or bi-weekly thing um i think it is something that's important enough to be more than once a month um just so that there are constant conversations because i feel like we're constantly being fed things on online on tv through you know different platforms that have nothing to do with bettering our people and ourselves so i feel like it's important to kind of take a stance on that and actually you know move forward and try to get something else to the people besides a tiktok dance right now i'm gonna be honest like i'm, I'm kind of <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like i get it i because i'm trying to be a savage too like I'm yeah no I'm, I'm working on the moves but <laughs> I would just, I would really like to be having some interesting conversations where whether it's you're on the front lines dealing with it or you're somebody who lives in a home that doesn't have running water and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And I, I want to know what's going what the pandemic looks like for you because my pandemic and what's going on right now in my household doesn't look like somebody that lives across town from me right now and it definitely doesn't look like trump or you know jeff bezos and everybody else it doesn't look like their pandemic you know he's getting ready to be the first trillionaire and there's literally people dying here so i think people need to be a little bit more focused on what's important and hopefully this coronavirus um it wakes people up but if it doesn't this talk show will i know that much <laughs> they're gonna get sure. it one way or another for sure on the real yes so thank thank you both thank you both i like on the real too i feel like we can have rona talks for this corona stuff but on the real just gotta be like our little thing i like that <laughs> i like on the real and i like how you said my pandemic because it's kind of like um into how people are handling it like their lives yeah their perspectives how they're handling mm -hmm. them like i don't know if can yeah. Yes. It's going a little in and out, but but I got you. Yeah, I like my pandemic. I like Rona talks. My pandemic is like it's like more personal too. Mm -hmm. like, that could be something that we even get online with, you know, like hey, tell us what what does the pandemic look like for you? You know, that could be something that's trendy besides, like I said, these dances right, right now. Yeah. Like we need people like talking about what the pandemic looks like for them because once you start making it personal personable to people then that's when people are going to care about it that's when people want to come out and vote that's when people want to come out and march that's when people want to come out and volunteer because they feel like okay you feel this way well i got a mama too and my mom is sick and you know maybe we don't have no money or maybe we do have some money and i got free time and i could donate this like that's how people come together so i feel like this should definitely be something that 
it's just a pot it's seen as just like a podcast off of what we do but it's something that can definitely be used as a vessel when it comes to phone banking when it comes to you know when it's time to go back out and be door canvassing and stuff like that like these are going to be the resources and the people that we have to talk to and we're in a day and age where everybody's online so we got to get it to these people online like phone banking is cool but as we see like people are are, are hanging up people that want to talk on the phone right now about politics if people want to know like and helping us with some some water and some food are you buying antibacterial soap like where are we getting the soap that we're supposed to be washing our hands from like we don't even have money for the light bill right now like people have real life things that they're dealing with so definitely think it's to be something that we branch off of for sure yeah one of the calls i had like an hour ago they were like i'm looking for employment and i was like are you on facebook because there's like a group on facebook called like quarantine jobs or whatever mm-hmm. he wasn't on facebook and so i was like okay well let me get your email i tried it i'll try to get it to my boss because he was like it's seiu grassroots at the time i didn't know i was just like um i'm not sure but i'll try to get you some you know some information whatever so i mm-hmm. took information down um because there are jobs you know out here but like you said like we need to get down to what people need and things of that nature and just be a resource and a, and a good listening ear. Yes. Yeah, for sure. We here for y'all. We here for y'all. <laughs> y'all, we got y'all. <laughs> we got, we got y'all right. Uh, thank, thank, thank you both. 